Today, um, we will continue in our teaching, Banishing Fear. And, you know, it's so interesting that life always presents us with apparently something to be afraid of. And it appears that before every next level, there is a fear to conquer, you know. And um, we, in part one, we looked at banishing fear generally. Um, in part two, um, we looked at, which was last week, we looked at banishing financial fear. You know, I want to encourage you, really, to get the teachings and listen to them, you know, and listen to them over and over, perhaps, you know, until um, the word becomes flesh, as it were. And, um, and becomes inseparable from you. Today, we are looking at banishing the fear of rejection. Banishing the fear of rejection. Question, what do this group of people have in common? The young person that gives in to peer pressure for premarital sex the man or woman that is still laboring under the yoke of daddy or mommy saying you will never amount to anything. The wife who continues to give in to the absurd demand of an abusive husband. Or the husband who continues to endure and entertain the abusive demand of a damaging wife. Or the person who never speaks what they really have in mind. Have you met any of such persons? They never say what they have in mind. Or the person whose schedule is so full, overbooked, because they can't just say no to a request. Or the wishy-washy person who never stands for anything. Or the Christian who never talks about Jesus. You've known some people for over a year and they've never heard you say anything about Jesus. What do all these people have in common? They are all driven by deep fear of rejection. Today, God will set us free from the fear of rejection in Jesus' name. Amen. So a lot of people are suffering from, from what has been called approval addiction. Approval addiction. Um, only if this person likes me. Overly consumed with the thought, what do people think about me? What do they, would they accept me? Would they, am, I, am I tall enough? Am I short enough? Okay, maybe people don't say am I short enough. Am I... <laughs> Am I skinny enough? Am I fat enough? Okay, people don't say that. Am I um, fine enough? 
Or am I ugly enough? And we question. You meet someone for the first time. You will, does he like me? Does she, maybe she doesn't like me? And you know, we are overlabored and overladen with the fear of rejection. And it says there, Proverbs 29, 25, in your outline, I mean, um, everybody should have an outline. If you don't have an outline, you can pick one up from any of the ushers. In your outline, um, the Word of God says there are two readings there, same scripture, but two different um, translations. It says that the fear of man will prove to be what? A snare, a trap. But Whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. The translation brings it home to us. It says, fearing people is a dangerous trap. Fearing people is what? It's a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. Trusting the Lord means, means safety. And everywhere we turn... You know, sometimes the world kind of tries to pressure us into rejection from, from some of us, from, from childhood, you know. You've been rejected maybe by your parents or maybe by your siblings or maybe by a teacher or, or maybe um, by a classmate. And perhaps for some of us, we, we come to church and we, we still feel rejection sometimes. And it can be very tough. How do we deal with the fear of rejection? How do we banish this fear totally from our lives? Rejection, the fear of rejection, is a horrible taskmaster because you are never good enough. Never good enough. It's a horrible place to be. And rejection does a couple of horrible things to us. Number one, it allows other people to manipulate us. Rejection allows others to manipulate us. Even the advertising industry they are big on, on, on praying, on praying on this rejection. They, they say things like, be there or be toast. Have you heard that before? If you miss this event, you're a loser. And you're like, no, I don't want to be a loser. <laughs> I don't want, I want to be there. You know, be, be there or be square, be there or be told, or be there or be toast, whatever. You know, and oh, buy this product or you're a fool. Not like that, as pungently, but they kind of build it into the whole mix. So we do things to gain approval. We do things to gain approval. But the truth is that no one can manipulate you without your permission. Nobody can manipulate you without your approval. Once you become an adult, no one can manipulate you without your Approval. Praise the name of the Lord. Nobody can. Number two, B, what 
the fear of rejection does to us. B, it makes us bow to prayer pressure. It makes us bow to peer pressure. It makes us bow to prayer pressure. I mean, so, so you fill in that blank, it makes us, can you put it up? It makes us bow to peer pressure. That's the B, what it does to us. So to avoid rejection, we imitate other people. We do as our friends are doing. They are um, wearing um, skinny jeans. We wear skinny jeans, you know. Um, they are wearing face cap. We wear face cap. Everybody's wearing the tie. We wear a tie. Everybody, um, you know, I used to, <laughs> used, to <laughs> used to be a problem for me also. I mean, I needed to struggle with when I started pastoring. You know, when I started pastoring, every pastor I knew wore a tie. And honestly, I like wearing ties, but sometimes I just don't want to wear a tie. So, I don't want to wear a tie. But I'm like, but you're a pastor, you should wear a tie. I said, okay, well, I should wear a tie. So, I struggle. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we act, we talk, we dress in certain ways. It keeps us from speaking the truth. It keeps us from speaking the truth. We are afraid. Because we are afraid, we don't speak the truth. Because we don't want to be rejected, we don't, we don't speak the truth. You are at work. Because you don't want to be rejected, you don't speak the truth. Number four, it prevents us from giving and receiving love. The fear of rejection prevents us from giving and receiving love. Because sometimes we've been hurt. We've been let down. We have been, we have been bruised and wounded. And we don't want to let our hearts go again. Why? Because we are afraid of being rejected. Another time. We, we, we say to ourselves, I don't think I can survive another heartbreak. And we build walls instead of building bridges. Number five, it causes us to be shy and lonely. Because we've successfully built walls, Instead of building bridges, we, we become shy, hidden, and lonely because we've blocked everybody out or we've blocked the people that love us out of our lives. Number six, it's it hinders us from sharing our faith in Christ. The fear of rejection hinders us from sharing our faith in Christ. I remember years ago, I was in, um, I was coming from, from, from school, I was in Unilag at the time, and um, I was coming through Ujolegba, I used to stay um, at K2, so I was going to take a bus from Ujolegba to K2. I really wanted to share my faith, I really wanted to talk about Jesus, and I felt God actually was telling me to share my faith, and, but I was afraid, I was afraid of rejection. So 
I, I, I said, I have to talk to these people about Jesus. I have to talk to these people about Jesus. So I got there and I opened my mouth and nothing came out. <laughs> nothing literally came out, you know. And I struggled with it. And on the way from Jolly to Kitchen, you know, it's a long drive, you know, through Cold Road. And I would count up to 10. I'll say, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nothing comes out. Okay, I'll say, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Nothing comes out. <laughs> I was afraid. It crippled me. I, I, I went all the way to Ketu. Guess what? I, I said no. I went into the other bus all the way to Jolegba. The same thing. I couldn't talk. As I want to talk, I will see someone and say, that guy will just laugh at you. I don't say, okay, no, no, I don't have. If I want to talk, I say, oh, look at that babe. She will just make fun of you. And I'll just keep quiet. But on the way back, <laughs> finally, I, I, honestly, I didn't know what I said. But I said some things about Jesus. <laughs> but people actually gave their life to Jesus. And I was shocked, totally shocked. Because I was too sure they were just going to say, driver, stop the bus and get this guy out of here. I was afraid. And finally, gee, it produces depression and unhappiness. Depression and unhappiness. But before we go there, in John, before we, 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 we look at G, in John chapter 2, verse 42, um, the Philip translation, is, it's there for us. John 2, 42 to 43, it says, many believed, now, now listen to this, many believed in Jesus, but they would not Admit it. Why? For fear of the Pharisees. They were more concerned to have the approval of men than the approval of God. They were more concerned to have the approval of men than the approval of God. And gee, it produces depression and unhappiness. In 1 Samuel 13, 11 to 12, this is Saul, King Saul, speaking. He says, I sinned. I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. Saul eventually died depressed. In the later part of life, in fact, he was consulting mediums. He was a totally depressed guy. David actually had to use music, anointed music, to cast out demons of depression from Saul. I'm praying that everyone that is being caved in by demon of depression, that God's power will break that hold over your life in Jesus' name today. Amen. So, it's, it's, it's a horrible thing. Now, question, how so, Pastor, okay, fine, like, I know all this. So, how do I banish the fear of rejection? How do I banish the fear of rejection? Three things. Number one, to overcome the fear of rejection, put God in first place. Put God in first place. You see, I cannot overemphasize this. 
put God in first place. That's your first step of overcoming the fear of rejection. In Psalm 21, verse 27, verse 1, David said, The Lord is my light and my what? Salvation. I will fear no one. Put God in first place. Light does three things. Light does three things. Light illuminates. Light illuminates. Light protects. And light energizes. You could write, I mean, this, you should be filling the blanks by now. So light illuminates, it protects, it energizes. It illuminates. When light comes, you can see clearly. Darkness, fear is driven away. It protects. You know, at night, you have what they call security lights. In other words, when it's on, you kind of feel protected because the bad guys will stay away from the light, hopefully. But basically, light protects. And light energizes. We draw energy from, from the, the, the rays of energy from, from, so, from the sun and different sources of, of light. Light lifts our moods. It, it brightens our lives. But David is saying here that my relationship with God has these three effects that light has in my life. My relationship with God illuminates me. My relationship with God protects me. My relationship with God energizes me. So I am not afraid of anyone. My relationship with God. And the question is, do you have that relationship with God? If you don't have, that is your priority this evening. David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Wow. So when God is my light... He illuminates me, he he, he protects me, he energizes me. I I don't depend on anybody to make me happy. I don't depend on anybody to lift up my countenance and take me out of depression. No, 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 no. I depend on who? On God. Everybody say, God is my light and my salvation. See, maybe you are looking towards a man, a woman, or someone to be your light. To brighten your life. To bring illumination. Or you are, you are, you are looking out to man for protection. To protect you. Or, or, or your eye is upon someone to energize you. To, to just make you happy. And just... And just make you, you know, listen, you are setting yourself up for trouble. You say, but pastor, what if it's my husband? You are still setting yourself up for trouble. But what if it's my wife? You are saying, why? Because there is no man. If you are just married, you, you won't believe me, I know. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But write it down and buy the tape, buy the CD. There is no man or woman on earth that is capable of being your light, illuminating, protecting, and energizing. Only God can. 
And because God is, you have no fear. Why? If you make another person your light, they can go out, they can burn out, or they could die out. The story is told of a woman that when she lost her husband of, of, of I don't know how many years, and she wrote at the tombstone of um, the husband, the epitaph reads, the light of my life is gone. That was what she wrote. Then five years later, God brought a wonderful man away and she got married and she's really loving the new guy and enjoying her married life. She went back and changed the epitaph. <laughs> My first light is gone. Now I have a second one. The point is this. There's a lesson from the lady because no man can be your light. There's a lesson for the husband. Don't think that... Anyway. Let me go on. So David knew that God is his salvation. Is his light. Is his salvation. No matter what happened, David knew God will have his back. No matter what happened, David knew that God would love him. David was sure that no matter what happened, God has my back. That is the greatest comfort you can ever have. That no matter what happens, when all is said and done, God has my back. You see, we all need to be loved. We all, every one of us, we all need to be loved. And love, this need for love is, is natural, it's is, is genuine. But the problem comes when we think that others ought to be able to fully satisfy their needs. That's where the problem comes from. When you think that there's someone out there that will be able to fully satisfy that, that need, you see, I'm here to tell you that such a person does not exist. In flesh. The only person that is capable to fully satisfy your needs is God. And guess what? The converse is also the case. The only person that you are also able to fully satisfy is who? Is God. You can't fully satisfy your husband. You can't fully satisfy your wife. It's impossible. Try it. You will discover that it's not possible. You cannot. The only person you are capable of fully satisfying is God. When I realized that, stress left my life. No, but pastor, does, doesn't God use people to love us? Yes, he does. God loves us through people. Yes, he does. And God uses us to love people. Yes, he does. And he expects us to. But it's only God that can fully, everyone say fully, fully satisfy us. In um, Psalm 119, verse 39 to 42, 
now, now, now listen to this. It says, save me from the insults that I fear. <laughs> I want to obey your command. Show me how much you love me, Lord. Then I can answer those. So David was saying that, God, if you love me, I can handle anything. If you love me, I can handle those that are insulting me, that are kind of abusing me. David is saying that, Lord, I know I'm afraid of people abusing me. I'm afraid of the opinions of men. David was owning up. Lord, I'm struggling with that approval addiction here. I'm afraid of what people really think of me deep down. But he's saying, Lord, but if you show me how much you love me, it won't mean anything to me. A major key to a wholesome life is being secure in God's love. In being secure in God's love. That is a major key to, to a wholesome life. So the question for you is this. What is the barrier between you and God? What I mean is this. What's the barrier between you and fully embracing God's love for you? What's the barrier? You need to get rid of that barrier. You need to throw yourself into God. You need to let God's love overwhelm, overwhelm you. 2 Timothy 2.15, 2 Timothy 2.15 The word of God says that for yourself, this is Paul talking to Timothy, concentrate on winning God's approval. What should you concentrate on? Concentrate your life on winning God's approval. Why you cannot please everybody? Do you know, do you know that even God cannot please everybody? A few things God cannot do. Number one, God cannot lie. People think, oh, there's only one thing God cannot do. God cannot lie. No. There's another thing God cannot do. God cannot please everybody. Yeah, but pastor, God can't please No, God cannot please everybody. Imagine, the farmer wants it to rain on Saturday. The people having their wedding, do they want it to rain? Can God please everybody? <laughs> if God says, okay, it's rainy season, let it rain. What will happen to the people getting married? If God says, okay, I want to make these people happy, let it not rain, what will happen to the crop of the farmer? So people say, yeah, but it will rain the next day. Oh, the next day is Sunday. What if the church people say it shouldn't rain? That they want to have service. And the farmer wants it to rain. What if God says, oh, these are my people, it won't rain? What will happen to the farmer? What if God says, oh, it's rainy season? In season, out of season, you should have church. So you let it rain. Some people won't come to church, you know. Okay, but, but God can make it happen the next day, Monday. But some people are going to work on Monday. And they don't have cars. They say, Lord, please don't let it rain so I, I don't get wet. Then what happens to the farmer and his crop? So you, you see that. God cannot please everybody. So what does God do? He puts seasons and timings in place. This is really city. Everybody go and prepare for it. Praise the Lord. 
Everybody go and get ready. It's rainy season. I'm not out to please everybody. So you and I cannot please everybody. That's the first thing you need to put in place. You need to put God in first place. Secondly, you need to put people in their place. You need to put people in their place. Everyone in your life has their place. The key to peace of mind is to put people in their proper places. Everybody in your life has their place. Your mom, your sister, your brother, your wife, your husband, your fiancé, your fiancé, your, uh, your teacher. Everybody has their place. If you want to create confusion for your life, put your wife in the place of your mother. Or, or, or put your mother in the place of your wife. Confusion. You want to please this person. You want to please that person. You, to, you, if you need to realize everybody has this place and put everybody in their proper places. Praise the Lord. And, you know, it's interesting because everybody don't only have their places, everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an opinion. And you need to realize and accept that everybody actually is entitled to an opinion. So somebody says to you, you're a fool. It's just an opinion. Why are you getting angry? It's just an opinion. But, but he just insulted me. No, that's his opinion of you. He actually thinks that you are a fool. So, so Pastor, should I get angry? Nope. You get angry if you think he's right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> you get angry if you think he's right. It's just, think about this. You are sitting for an exam. You are about to go and write an exam. You've studied. You've passed your exam. You have your certificate in your hands. And somebody comes to you. Let's say you have a PhD in mathematics. And somebody comes to you and says to you, you don't know 10 times 10. How would you respond? You just laugh. Why? Why would you laugh? It doesn't change anything. You know what you know. It's just their opinion. So why would somebody calling you a fool make you angry? Maybe deep down. <laughs> you are believing <laughs> That you actually might be one. I understand. No, 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 don't be angry at me now. Don't be angry at me. I'm just trying to teach you something. Now, it's just an opinion. Everybody has an opinion. Just put them where, where their opinion is. That's what you think about me. That's your opinion. In fact, you know one thing I, one thing I, I, I really um, um, thrive on? I thrive on the fact that People easily underestimate me. Easily. Academically, 
spiritually, academically. Did I say academically? Etc. etc. People, I can give you examples. People just look at me and say, oh, no, that one. And I smile. Why? Because but by the time when what is inside begins to come out, they're like, no, 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 it can't be him. Oh, yes, it, it is him. Praise the name of the Lord. My point is this. You don't need to prove anything to anyone. You are who God says that you are. Everybody, just put them in their place. In Isaiah 51 verse 12, the word of God says, Isaiah 51 12, says, the Lord says, I am the one who strengthens you. Who strengthens you? The Lord. Why should you fear mortal man? Who is no more enduring than the grass? Everybody underline more enduring than the grass. Ordinary grass. Ordinary grass. But you see, so when, when people's approval becomes all important in your life, you are setting yourself up to be afraid. When people's approval becomes the major key factor of 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 your life, you are setting yourself up to be afraid. For some people, all that matters is popularity. Applause. They want to be a celebrity. I'm not saying it's a sin to be one, but if that is your major aim, you are setting yourself up for a snare, a trap. Why? Because you will be at the mercy of what people say about you. You'll be at the mercy of what people say about you. If they think you're a loser, if they think you are fine, if they think you are raining, if they think you are not raining, if they think you are hot, if they think you are cold, if they think... So, so how do I live? I don't live based on people's opinion. And you don't have to live that way either. You don't have to live that way. No, you don't. Galatians 1.10, Paul says to us, Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Am I now trying to win the approval of men Circle men or of God, circle God. Because if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. You have a choice. Paul is saying, What's it going to be today? What's it going to be? Men or God? What's, what's it going to be? You can't seek the approval of both at the same time. You can't seek the approval of men and God. And it, it can't work. Choose one. I've chosen long time ago. Only the approval of God will stand in my life and is important in my life. Praise the Lord. So you live 
your life for the audience of one. And this one follows you everywhere. You are sitting at your desk, he's there. You are driving your car, he's there. You are at home, he's there. You are on the phone, he's there. You are on the internet, he's there. You are on your BBM, God is there. You are on, what else? On FaceTime, God is there. You are on Skype, God is there. Someone says, Pastor, you are scaring me now. You mean God is really there? Yes, he is. <laughs> he is. So you live for his approval. And when you do, your life on the outside will be so powerful. It will be so, so, so powerful. Why? Because you are living for God. So you are saying, Pastor, but so, so are you saying that one, somebody can get to the point where he's not even affected at all by the opinions of men? Pastor, is that what you are saying? Honestly, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is this. You can live your life above it. However, as human beings, we can get hurt by the opinions of men. If your husband looks at you and calls you ugly, I don't care how anointed you are, you are going to feel the pain. If your wife looks at you and calls you a loser, have Samson's anointing times 10. You are going to feel the dagger. You are going to feel it. So, I'm not denying it. What I'm saying to us is, while you may be affected by people's opinion, you don't have to be directed by it. One person, you can clap, it's okay. <laughs> okay, a little girl joined. Praise the Lord. Now, the point is this. You may, it doesn't, I'm not saying you must be, but you may, it may happen. The closer the person is, guys, the closer someone is to you, the deeper the hurt they can cause. Since we are not going to build walls around our hearts, we are going to be vulnerable to certain people. So certain people will hurt us. But God does not want us to not allow that to direct everything we do. The last guy lied to you. You say every man is a liar. That is so wrong. Praise the name of the Lord. So if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31 So don't believe the lie that I must be approved by others before I feel good about myself. The truth is that I don't have to be approved by others. That's the truth. You can write that down. Um, 
I guess, yeah, I don't need the approval of others to be happy with myself. There's a, a man called Lloyd Ogilvy, and he, he, he has this popular prayer. I'm going to read his prayer. It goes like this. Secure in God's love, I will surrender myself. I will surrender my self-worth. I will not, sorry, surrender my self-worth to the opinions and judgments of others. Since when I am rejected, I will not retaliate. When I am hurt, I will allow God to heal me. And knowing the pain of rejection, I will seek to love those who suffer from its anguish. Because I know personally what it is to be rejected. I have a, like, a soft spot for people that are going through rejection. And you should too, because all of us should know what it is to be rejected. But the, the sad thing is that sometimes we are not empathic. God has helped us, but we don't extend that same help to other people. So for me to banish the fear of rejection, number one, I need to put God in his place. Number two, I need to put people in their place. Number three, I need to put myself in the proper place. You know, many times we don't realize that we are unique and valuable. We don't realize how unique and valuable we are. And because we don't realize how unique and valuable we are, we, we don't treat ourselves like that. And, and, and we become Vulnerable. Because you don't know how unique and valuable you are. We are full of self-doubts. We doubt ourselves. I remember um, years ago, there was some man of God that I really, I just love the guy. So one day, I saw him walking down a corridor. Now, he had about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight steps to get to me. And in my heart, I said, finally, I get to shake this guy. Just one handshake. Every step he took towards me. My heart was pounding. It's going to happen. 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 And the guy got to me. I, of course, like a little child, got up and, and he looked at me and looked away and walked away. I almost fainted. <laughs> I literally almost fainted. And I, I, I couldn't bear it. I, I was like, is it this guy, pastor? I mean, what is going on? Just one handshake. Can a man ask for? And, you know, the way I am with God is that, you know, when somebody hurts me, I report the person to God. I don't, regardless of who you are, small, medium, tall. You hurt me, when I'm praying, I'm going to report you to God. So, I'm sorry, guys. That's what I do. (laughs) 
You may say, Pastor, you are behaving like a baby. Yes. So I was reporting this guy to God. I was hoping I was reporting it to God. You know, I was thinking God was going to be stroking me. You know, I just say, don't worry, you know. I'm going to punish him. I said, yes, give me punishment. That was what I was hoping to hear. But God, what he told me was totally shocking. Totally shocking. Totally, totally shocking. God said to me, you are this downcast because a man will not shake you. I said, exactly. You saw it, Abby. And he asked me a question. He says, have you ever talked to me and I did not answer you? Honestly, I, at, at that point, I didn't, I'd never thought of it. I, I was like, I was like um, no. I said, so, you call me, I always respond, and you called a man as it were, and it did not respond. I was, I was healed immediately. <laughs> immediately, I was healed. I was healed. I had no offense. I, I, I had no animal. I had no resentment towards him at all. Because if God will talk to me, does it matter if man wouldn't talk to me? Many of us we are so confused because men will relate to us. But if God will relate with you, then they can... <clears throat> I didn't say anything, though. <laughs> so when we look at life through the high of rejection, we can't see <clears throat> the hurts of others and we miss the opportunities to minister to them. You just walk past someone in church. This is a real life story. A lady walked past another lady. And the other lady apparently didn't see her. And maybe she greeted and the other lady didn't answer. And she was like, the lady doesn't like her. You know, why would, in fact, nobody in this church likes me. Just one person didn't answer you. Just one person. Say, nobody in this church likes me. Um, um, then she, she goes, who even likes herself? Me too, I don't like her. Even look at her, she's so ugly. Look at her nose like tortoise nose. Look at then I mean then you because then you begin to def, because you want to feel good, you begin to make another person. And as God will have it in that scenario, they enter the same bus. And the lady was now, oh how are you? Apparently she didn't see her. And she was not telling her how her son had leukemia. And that's what has been bothering her. So she was thinking of how her son had leukemia. She didn't see you. But because you are full of yourself and so insecure, you are approval addiction major. You have abused her, abused her nose, abused everything about her. God will have mercy upon you. And upon me too. So what's the antidote? You have to write fast now. I must accept what God says about me. Number one, what's the antidote? What's the antidote? 
I must accept what God says about me, so I must accept what God says about me. What's the first thing I must accept? I must accept that I was created by God. Psalm 8, verse 5. I was created by God. You, God, made man inferior only to yourself. You crowned him with glory and honor. Number two. I must accept the fact that Christ has made me acceptable. Christ has made me acceptable. Through what Christ did for us, he decided to make us holy. That is Ephesians 1.4. In his eyes and without a single fault, we stand before God covered with his love. God knows every single thing about me and he still loves me. Wow. Number three, I must accept that if God says I'm okay, then I am okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If God says I'm okay, I'm okay. If God says I'm okay, I'm okay. God, you don't like me? That's your business. God says I'm okay, I'm okay. Second Corinthians 10, 18 says, It is not self-commendation that matters. It is winning the approval of God that matters. And number four, I must accept that no matter who rejects me, God never will. No matter who rejects me, God never will. God never will. Psalm 27 verse 10 says, Even if my mother and my father forsakes me, the Lord will receive me. Now, the love of, the, of, of, of a father or a mother is, is, is so deep. It's the first place we look to for love and acceptance. Our parents, our fathers, our mothers, that's the first place we look to for Love for acceptance. But the Bible says that even if my father and my mother forsakes me, if they reject me, the Lord will receive me. I mean, that's just so powerful. Totally, totally powerful. Some of you may be struggling with rejection of a father or a mother, or a spouse, or a child. Even if my father and my mother forsakes me, the Lord will not forsake me. The Lord will not forsake me. Pastor, my, something must be wrong with me. No, nothing is wrong with you. Something is wrong with them. Something is wrong with them. Say, but Pastor, I mean, are, are you saying that um, um, uh, my father, I've been trying to, to get his approval, but I haven't been able to, guess what? 
you may never get his approval. You may never get your mother's approval. But that, does that, doesn't that mean that I am doomed because I need my father's blessing? I want to say this once. I used to listen to this and get it straight. They may never give you their approval. But guess what? You don't need it. Okay, maybe I should say it again. They may never give you their approval. But you don't need it. Oh, but, but the Bible says that the blessings of your father, yes, is good. Prophet mother, yes, it's good. But you don't need it. How do I know? Pastor, show me in the Bible and I will believe you. The scripture we just read was written by David. The story of David was his mother abandoned him. His mother was the sidekick. So, uh, when, you know what a sidekick is? So, when he was born, mm, they can go. And she went off. His father was ashamed of him. So they're always sending him out to go and walk in the field. In fact, when they came to anoint the king in Israel, and they asked Jesse to present his sons, he didn't call David. But guess who became the king? David. If your father's position and your mother's position could determine your destiny, David would never have become the king of Israel. I'm here to say to you today, it doesn't matter who has rejected you. You will fulfill your destiny in God. <laughs> now, of course, you know that I'm not saying that children should be rebellious. You know that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying some parents are just incorrigible. They will never agree. We had a case when a lady wanted to get married. And the parents of the man would never agree to marry for the lady. Is from a lower class. We went to beg the man. They sent elders to beg him. Long story short, at the end of everything, they waited, waited, years passed. He said, Pastor, what do we do? I said, what do you do? Get married. They can't get married without them. Of course you can. Two consenting adults can get married under any law, including the law of God. Join them. They are happily married. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh. 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 Oh.
Shandere. Mando keze bono tese bi.